Thank you, Brother Terry. If you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Job. The book of Job. This morning I'd like to share a sermon that I've entitled, How to Find Comfort. How to Find Comfort in Tragedy. How to Find Comfort in Tragedy. And we want to look at Job uh, chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 12. Looked up the word tragedy when I started this studying for this sermon. Tragedy is is terrible a terrible or sorrowful event that befalls a person or a people. The greatest tragedies in American history, the first greatest tragedy, probably is listed as the greatest tragedy was the Civil War. It affected so many people in our country. The biggest tragedy in history was listed in 1931. China had a flood, it's known as the China Flood, and it killed four million people. World's largest tragedy. Let's look at Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all, of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, and each on his appointed day would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them, for Job said, it, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come from? So Satan answered the Lord, and he said, From going to and fro from the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that his on every side. You've blessed the work of his hands and the possessions. His possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that, is, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on this person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we have to, to come and worship you today. Thank you for the praise songs, the hymns. 
opportunity to worship through giving. Lord, thank you for giving yourself on the cross that through you and you alone that we can have forgiveness of sin, eternal life. And so, Father, now we come to, to open your word and to hear the instruction from your word. Speak to our hearts, I pray. And help us to realize, Father, whatever comes in our life, Lord, that we're going to choose you. And we know that you'll bring us through whatever it is. And you'll work out all good for it. Thank you for what you're going to do today in this service. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, I shared a sermon entitled, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled, taken from John chapter 14, verse 1. I don't know, God has just laid on my heart the past last Sunday and then today to speak about trouble, to speak about tragedies, because I know a lot of people are going through tragedies right now. When you think of tragedy, think of some words. Confusion, shock, despair, disbelief, speechless, dazzled, nauseated. These are words used by many to express how they feel when they experience some type of tragedy. We also ask questions when we experience tragedies. How could God allow this to happen to us? We make statements when we experience tragedies like, this couldn't be true. I can't believe this is happening. This must be a dream. I guess that's been made to me more times than any statement. Brother Sammy, I feel like I'm just in a dream. So the question is, how do we cope with tragedy? What do we do when tragedy strikes? I'll tell you the answer to that. The answer to what do we do, we hurt when tragedy strikes. We hurt when we experience the tragedy of betrayal, such as a separation in a marriage or a divorce in a marriage. We hurt when we deal with a sudden loss of a job. All of a sudden, the job's taken away. It's not there anymore. They've cut back, or for whatever personal reasons, we've been, whatever reason, we've been laid off, and we don't have an income coming in. We have a family. That's a tragedy. We don't know what we're going to do. We hurt. And we hurt when we get a negative report from the doctor. It's not good. And all of a sudden, we'd never heard those words before, and we begin to hurt. We hurt when we get to call that a loved one has died. And I've shared this before from the pulpit, but for 12 years, I was a volunteer chaplain with the Department of Public Safety, and, and my responsibility was to ride with troopers, and we would go and make death notifications. A terrible time, and I always dreaded for Christmas in a way because I've been in homes where the tree was there, and and had to make a death notification at 2 o'clock in the morning that their loved one was coming home, and, and they had a wreck, and uh, they weren't going to be there for Christmas. And so tragedies. It's easy to understand, you know, what tragedies cause, cause hurt. We know about the hurt, but what do we do when tragedy strikes? I'm going to share about five five, six things with you that you might want to jot down that might help you one day or you can help someone. So what, we, what do we do to find comfort in, in tragedies? First of all, put your faith in God. 
very first, put your faith in God. You may not understand it, it's a sudden blow, and immediately just say, God, I'm trusting you in this, whatever it is. And the best illustration of someone who just trusted God is this person, Job. He's the best illustration of a sustaining faith when, it, you know, when things begin to happen in his life. Job. The Bible says he was a perfect man. Perfect man. In that he was a righteous man. He was a man that, that turned from evil. The Bible uses the term shun or shunned from evil. He turned from evil. Didn't want to be around evil. He was a man who was doing everything right in his life. He was minding his own business, serving God, a righteous God, a perfect man in God's eyes, shunning evil. But one day his world just fell apart in verses 13 through 19. If you would, let's look at that, verse 13 through 19. I don't know, actually, if I gave you that, but... We'll read it. Job 13, Job 1, verse 13. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sebans raided them and took them away, indeed, they've killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up all the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and along have only I have escaped to tell you. Verse 17, While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they're all dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Can you imagine Job getting all of this terrible information at one time? Man, just one tragedy after another tragedy, another tragedy, another tragedy. Oxen, donkeys, rustled, stolen by the Sabans. The herdsmen were killed. Fire fell from the sky and killed the sheep. And, and, and the shepherds were killed. And the camels were carried off by the by the uh, Chaldeans, and, and a whirlwind came. We'd call it a tornado. And it swept across the desert to his oldest son's house, and it was struck and killed all of his children. And after all of that, he looked down, and he saw a little sore on his arm, perhaps, or on his hand. And then he saw another little sore and another little sore. From his head to his feet, there was nothing but just running, oozing sores, corruption. Job 2, verse 9, his wife looked at him and she said, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> just, just curse God and die. And there was Job, the righteous man, the fluent man, the successful man, the powerful man, and everything was gone in his world. Everything came crashing down. Everything was wiped out. So the question is this, what would you do? What would I do? if I experienced all or just part of what Job experienced, what would I do? Question is, would I curse God and want to die? Or would I just blame God? Notice that this man who'd lost it all, this man with the runny sores, the corruption, 
Notice what he did in chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his clothes, and he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So when all this tragedy came to Job, one would have been enough, looked like, but Satan's in control. God permitted that in Job's life because he knew his man Job. Does God know you that well? Sure he does. Does he know what you would do? Sure he does. I like to think, you know, when, when uh, I like to think we were attacked by the, the Satan when it, in regards to the tornado. And I, I kind of like to think, hey, Satan went to God and said, hey, they're just serving you down there for what they get out of you there at Mountain View Baptist Church. And I like to think that God said, I know my people at Mountain View Baptist Church. Everything was lost, and Job just falls down and worshiped. He remembered the source of his strength. How could he do that? How could he just fall down and worship? He remembered the source of his strength. He remembered the hope in his future. He remembered that God said, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Everything was lost, and what did he do? How did he react? He fell down, and he worshiped. So what does that say? It says, although I've lost it all, I'm trusting God. Turn to God immediately. Put his faith in God. First thing you do, put your faith in God. I, I don't know it. I don't understand it. I know it's happened. I, I, all I can do, God, is trust you. I know that everything is going to be okay. And then verse 25, uh, Job 19, verse 25. Let me read that. Job 19, verse 25. Listen to this. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Are you dreading anything's going to happen to you? Are you worried about something going to happen to you? Job said the, great, the worst thing that could happen to me happened to me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, for trouble comes. Job, he just he fell down. And, and he worshipped. Job was, Job was sick. But he looked beyond his sickness. He looked beyond death. And he said, in my flesh, I'm going to see God. I'm going to see God. So the point is, when tragedy comes, first of all, put your faith in God. First thing. Second thing, pray about your situation. Don't wait later. Things get worse to pray. Pray immediately about your situation. Job chapter 1, verse 20, he fell down and he began to worship God and he began to pray. Job arose, tore his clothes, shaved his head, fell down the ground in worship, and he said, here's his prayer, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so first thing, put your faith in God. Secondly, Pray to God. You see, the essence in what Job was saying, I know that I've lost it all, but I trust God. I know that everything is going to be all right. I'm trusting Him. So the point is, whenever tragedy comes, get along somewhere immediately and pray. Pray by yourself. Just get along with God in prayer. 
You say, well, Brother Samuel, why is it so important to pray? Well, prayer takes you beyond your limits. You're limited, and prayer moves you beyond what you can do to what God can do. Prayer kind of steps over the boundaries. They say that can't be done, but God says, hey, with me, nothing's impossible. I can tell you time and time and time again about the rebuild here at the church of things that we needed done, and it was really impossible to do. But God provided it, God took care of it, and God did it. And so prayer takes you over any boundary that might be preventing you to, to, be, uh, to, to do what you feel like that needs to be done. Prayer causes you to rise above any hindrance. Pray. Prayer helps you to, to cope with the uncontrollable. You, you know, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm not in control of this. But you pray, God's in control. Because when you pray, you're connecting with a powerful, almighty God. So pray. Mark 11, verse 24, one of my favorite verses. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. So what do you do to find comfort? Put your faith in God, then pray about the situation. Number three, put this down. Express your complete faith in God. Express your complete faith in God. Trust His Word. Believe His Word. Now here's a question. How do I do that? How, what, how, what have I got to do in order to put my complete faith in God's Word? Well, you trust Him. You believe in Him. You, you put your faith in Him. When you, when you sincerely trust God, you can expect and you can know that God's going to work out everything for your good. Why is that? Because you're trusting God and you're trusting in His Word. One of my favorite passages, you know it perhaps, is Romans 8, verse 28. I share this with a lot of people. Verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 28, a promise says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So there have been times when I've cried out to God, and I said, God, I didn't like this. I don't like it. I really don't like it. God, it hurts a lot, but I put my trust in you, and I know that you're going to work things out for my good and all of this. And then by faith, I wait on God to bring that about. He brings it about in his own time. And so the Word of God gives hope in, in difficult situations. The Word of God, trust the Word of God. It transforms your life. The Word of God transforms your life. It can give you, the Word of God can give you energy to press on and face whatever tragedy you're, you're facing. You, you can go on. You know that God is going to make good on His promise. You know that God's going to make things better. God's going to make things good. And so to find comfort in your tragedy, put your faith in God, uh, pray about your situation, and express complete faith in God to work out whatever situation you're in. Trust Him. Philippians, well, number four, jot this one down. I'm going to give you two more real quick. Number four, expect God to finish what he started in your life. You know, you're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose, not here in this place, but you were born into this world for a purpose and for a reason. And God has a reason for your being. Philippians 1, verse, uh, verse 6. Being confident, Paul says, being confident of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God created you. God has a purpose for you being here. And God's going to see you through till you fulfill his purpose. God doesn't do things halfway. He doesn't do things partway. God wants to see you completed in regards to his purpose and his plan for you. God wants to see a finished product one day in your life. So therefore, don't lose hope. Don't get cast down. God's finishing a beautiful masterpiece in your life and in my life. And so you need to wait on the Lord. Uh, and you need to have confidence. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I, I don't have confidence. Well, do you need confidence? You say, well, yes, I do. Well, do you, do you need encouraging today? I need encouraging today. Do you need to be lifted up in spirit today? I need to be lifted up in spirit. Well, just remember Philippians 1, 6. God's created you for purpose, and he's going to see it to, through to completion. And so be, rejoice in that. Expect God to finish what he started in you. So to find comfort, put your faith in God, pray about your situation, express complete faith in God to work out your situation for good, expect God to finish what he started. And number five, expect God to keep you in his love. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 8. Never forget that God doesn't, God loves you. That God doesn't have anything against you. He loves you as a child of his. He loves the world. He won't see everyone saved, but he loves his children. Romans 8, verse 35. Notice what God's word says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. You know, too often we, we look at the negative in our life and not the positive. Uh, I'm, I'm a positive person. I'm an optimist. I'm, um, I, 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 real, I mean, I just wake up feeling good. I wake up thinking it's going to be a good day. I'm not a negative person. I'm not a pessimistic person. But oftentimes we look at the negative and not the positive. We, we look at the difficulty and we look at all the despair, and we don't think on the good things. We, we look at our problems. And when we begin to do that, sometimes we'll say, what's the use? I give up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to give up. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm just tempted to give up. I'm tempted to throw in the towel. The reason I'm looking at all the negative. The devil's using discouragement in my life. I'm letting him do that. And so I can't look at the negative all the time. So remember this. Don't let, and this, I, I heard this years and years ago. It's not a, uh, I didn't come up with this. But I heard a person say, don't let, don't let phases in your life phase you. Uh, a phase in your life is just a period of time. It's a passage in your life. You pass through this phase. Don't let phases in your life, phase you. Don't let them get you down. Um, a, a phase 
in your life. It's not a dead-end street. It's just, it's just something that's happening at that time in your life. What looks like the end of the road is really not the end of the road. Philippians 3, listen to this, 3.13 uh, 3, 3, and 14. Listen to what he says. He says, um, Philippians 3, make sure I have it right. Philippians 3, 14, he said, Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, uh, 13 says, Brother, don't count my, I don't count myself to apprehend it, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead, and I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, listen, uh, this is not the end. I'm going forward. I'm pressing on to what Christ would have me to do. Remember, I don't know what type of tragedy that you have experienced. I don't know what type of tragedy that you're going through right now. And I don't know what type of tragedy that you will experience some other time. I don't know, but I've been around so much tragedy in ministry. And it's really sad. A lot of people are just, uh, everywhere you turn, there's something happening in their life. And tragedy includes things like a health issue. Uh, tragedy includes death of family members or perhaps a job loss or a child on drugs or adults on drugs, children on drugs or parents on drugs. I was telling Judy the other night, I don't know what we're going to do about the drug culture. It's just affecting our whole culture. I mean, it's really sad. It's really sad. I, I don't know what your tragedy might be. It may be, it may be suicide in your family some way. That's the hardest tragedy that people can cope with is, is suicide. Without God, you can't make it through. When a family member or a close friend takes their life, there's no understanding to that. It, you may be affected by a horrible crime that, that affects your family in some way. But always remember this. We're not immune from tragedy, but we're neither alone in tragedy. We're not by ourselves. Um, when tragedy comes, uh, we have our church family, we have our immediate family, and we have our, our church family, and uh, we have our Christians, Christian brothers and sisters uh, everywhere. You know, we came together and we were praying for Ty. It's his, it's his brothers and sisters, hundreds of people, no doubt, praying for him and Jenny and Kennedy. But when we have a tragedy, just remember, it, it's not the end that we have God there to help us if we'll turn to him immediately and begin to trust him and put our faith in him and pray and begin to put all of our faith in his word and allow him to work in a marvelous way in our life. Years ago, and I've read this before, and I carry it, I have a copy laying in my study. I use it all the time, uh, people, uh, when I counsel with them, and it's helped me over the years. And the first time I saw this, it came from a, um, came out of a book of David Jeremiah. It's one of his uh, little poems he uses, and, and it's really helped me, and I'm going to share it with you. The title of it is A Bend in the Road. Sometimes we come to life's crossroads, and we view what we think is the end, but God has much wider vision, and he knows that it's only a bend. The road will go and get smoother, and after, uh, after we stop for a rest, the path that lies hidden beyond us is often the path that is best. 
So rest and relax and grow stronger and let go and let God share your load and have faith in a brighter tomorrow. You've just come to a bend in the road. Remember, it's not the end, especially for the Christian. It's not the end. It may just be a bend, but you're not alone. You have God. If you'll just turn to him, trust him, pray to him, and let him work that out for the good in your life. He will. Heavenly Father, I thank you for a time that we can come together this morning. I thank you, Father, for your word and the confidence and that your word, the strength your word gives us. I pray for each person here this morning. I don't know what they're going through, but Lord, I've had a tragedy in my life. We've all had them in the past, perhaps. We may, people may be going through one right now. People may be going, uh, are headed toward tragedy tomorrow or in the future. But we know we have the past, present, and future tragedies that we have to deal with, but we know we don't deal with them alone. And so, Father, help us to remember that. Please take your word today, and I pray that you would apply it to people's hearts and their minds, and they'd be open, Lord, to turn to you during the tough times in their lives. Thank you for what you're going to do. We know your word won't return void. And help us to rejoice knowing that whatever does happen in our life, that our faith in you, we know that there's a promise there. That whatever happens, you're going to take that and you're going to work it out to the good. Not that it is good, but you'll work it for the good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so help us then to live by faith and wait till that is worked out in the good. Thank you for what you're going to do in this invitation. And I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website. Thank you, and may God bless you.